in a place known to be the land of saints and scholars, home to Saints Patrick, Bridget, and Columba. There are those that have lived lives of heroic virtue, yet are forgotten by time. These are the stories of Ireland's forgotten treasures, told by Father Gabriel Burke. Welcome everybody to Hidden Treasures. Father Gabriel Burke here from Blarney Parish in Ireland. And we're looking at those causes for sanctity in the Irish church um, that may have slowed down or just seems to have an impasse and they haven't moved on. Today we're looking into the life of a young woman called Edel Quinn. Now Edel Quinn is actually from my own diocese here in Cloyne. She was born in the hospital in Canturk, which is a small town in our diocese. It's up until the famine, there was about 4,000 people. But since the famine, it has never increased more than about two, two and a half thousand people. But her family actually lived in a next door parish called Castle Magner, which is quite a rural parish. And she was only there a few years because her father worked in um, an Irish bank. And so he was transferred a lot around the country. So she was baptized in Castle Magner. And I think she was, her first Holy Communion was in Care and County Tipperary. Now, that actually isn't too far of a distance because Care is in the south of Tipperary, just above the border with County Cork. She was born on September the 14th. In 1907, which is the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross. And in her life, that was an appropriate feast to be born on. But we'll get into that later on. Because of her father's job, it meant her schooling was all over the place. I mean, she was in, in, in Tralee for a while, and there's a plaque there in, in Tralee of where they lived. And if she made her First Holy Communion in Tipperary, that meant she probably, probably went to the present or the Mercy Sisters in care. Anyway, at the age of 16, she was sent to a finishing school in Cheshire in England. However, her father had a little bit of a problem with gambling. And he ran the parish or the, the family into debt. And when Edel had finished schooling in Cheshire. She came home and she went to Dublin, where she got a job with uh, Chagney Tileworks in Dublin. And she was very good at her job and they loved her very much. She was very good at administration. She was very good at getting things done. And there was a guy there, Pierre Landron, and he took a fancy to her. And eventually he proposed marriage to her when she was about 20. And that was in 1927. But she had to refuse him because she had promised God that she would go into the poor Clare nuns and become a contemplative sister. However, Borel Edel contracted TB, tuberculosis, which in the early part of the 20th century in Ireland was a huge problem. With thousands of people died of TB. And there were sanatoriums built all over the place where they could go and rest for up to a year, maybe two years, even sometimes three years. Um, you've got to remember that the 1920s and 30s are before the time of antibiotics. And so even, even common things like uh, 
a flu, or even the common cold used to kill many people. So tuberculosis was a huge and dreaded disease in Ireland. And she had, she was to enter the Port Clares on March the 25th in 1932. A huge year in Ireland because it was the year of the Eucharistic Congress. And however, because she had been diagnosed with TB, that ended her vocation to the Port Clares. She became so ill that she was sent to a place outside Dublin called Newcastle, where there was a sanatorium. And she was sent there to recover as best she could. But after a year, she wasn't really recovering. And the expense on her family. So she decided to leave. And she had been a member of the Legion of Mary before her illness. And so she went back to the Legion of Mary. And she worked in a presidium in Dublin. And then she went over to England um, for a couple of weeks to bring the, or not England, sorry, to Wales. And she founded many presidium in Wales. When she came back, um, Frank Duff thought about sending her to Africa. And so there was a bit of a commotion because, you know, her family and people like that didn't really want her to go off to Africa because she was so ill and they didn't think she would last there. But anyway, Frank prevailed and she was sent out to Africa and she went to Mombasa. She arrived in Mombasa on the 23rd of November in 1936 and she began her work in Nairobi. Now, there were a whole load of problems. The first problem was she was a laywoman. She wasn't a religious, she wasn't part of a congregation, and this was most unusual. And that in itself created opposition. Secondly, as you know, there are different ethnic groups in Africa. We often think of Africa being one, it's not. There are various ethnic groups. It's like saying Europe is one when it's not. You have Germans, you have Irish, you have French. It's the same in Africa. And the problem was, you see, the presidium system is that everybody is in it, men, women, anybody over 18. It doesn't matter what color you are, you all belong to the one presidium. And they wanted white presidium. And then among the Africans, they wanted various presidium for their ethnic group only. And fair Jews Tweedell, she fought against it. And the Legion of Mary was one of the first organizations in Africa or anywhere that allowed all ethnicities come together. So there was no separate black and white presidia in Africa. Whites and blacks and all the ethnic groups joined the one presidium. That was a fantastic thing to be able to do. Eventually, her travels brought her all the way down to Mauritius in the Indian Ocean and back. She was in South Africa. She took ill for a while in South Africa and stayed there in a hospital. And then she returned on her. And there's one comment about her in that she always drove around in a little Ford. And she always had an African driver. 
And that little Ford got around the whole of East Africa. And she did tremendous work in building up the Legion of Mary throughout East Africa. And it was her living the way of the Legion that people admired and were drawn to. However, in 1940, her health greatly declined again. And she went into Nairobi and she was in the hospital there in Nairobi and that's where she died. And she was buried in the missionaries cemetery in Nairobi and she was clothed in the habit of the Sisters of the Precious Blood. There are a few other things that happened in Africa was that, as I said in my last podcast, Frank Duff wanted to ensure that the Legion remained a lay organization. Now, I'm not sure, I I don't know how big they were in America, but in Ireland, we certainly had confraternities right up until the 1960s. And and confraternities, some of them had their own clothing. So even still today, you have in the Jesuit church what we call the cardinals. And they're members of the Bonamours confraternity. And they wear this kind of um, purple soutane with red sleeves, hence the name the cardinals. And then you have still in um, the Augustinian church, they have a confraternity there to Our Lady, and they have a blue soutane. And many of the confraternities in the countries, in the country had were of the Sacred Heart. And so you'd have men dressed up in red soutane and surplice and medallion. But Frank Duff didn't want that. He wanted the Legion to be always lay and not to try and um, look like a religious order. So even in Africa, the as you know, Africans are lovely dressers and they dress up beautifully. And they wanted to put on some sort of a distinguished mark that would set them out. And Edel asked Frank Duff that, and Frank Duff said, no, absolutely not. So she worked throughout Africa, and she imitated her lady in her silent adoration of the womb made flesh in her words. She, the beauty of Edel is, often we think, because we have an illness, we're not much use to anybody. Often when we have some sort of disability or that, what's the use? But he down shows us that God calls everybody. And in all the difficulties she had with the tuberculosis, it didn't stop her doing tremendous work of evangelization and building up the Legion of Mary in Africa. She was able to succumb all the difficulties, a single woman, a white woman, a woman moving among many ethnicities, many languages, and she only speaking English. All these would be barriers that we could legitimately say, I can't do, I can't do the work. She overcame them. She overcame them because she put, like all legionaries, the Blessed Virgin Mary first. And she saw herself as a legionary, like the Roman army of old. And she's just marching forward. 
She is focused on the Blessed Virgin Mary and through her focused on Christ. There is nothing to hold her back. She is under the mantle of Mary. She can do anything, no matter how ill she is, no matter the difficulties. Here is this poor young middle-class girl from Ireland in the middle of Africa. And she builds up the Legion of Mary in Africa. So that today in Africa, there are thousands upon thousands of legionaries. Many parishes don't just have one presidium. They might have up to 10 presidii. And they're evangelizing and they're going here and there and everywhere. And they're going from one African country to another. And they're going then from Africa to India and places like that. All because of the work of one sickly girl. See, God can use us even when physically the world doesn't want us. When we're seen by others as being weak and of no use, God has use for us. When we put ourselves under the protection of the Blessed Virgin Mary, when we consecrate on her, when we think, how did God come to you and me? He came to you and me through the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. God saw that the greatest way and the safest way for him to come into this world was through the Blessed Virgin Mary. Surely the safest way back to God is to take the road he took. And that is to go back to God through the Blessed Virgin Mary. To consecrate ourselves to her to look to her, to allow her to put her protective mantle on us and to fight in her army, the spiritual warfare, to use ourselves as weak as we are to be instruments of her grace in this world. Edel shows us that we can do that. Edel shows us the way. Nothing can stop us when we consecrate ourselves to Mary and fight for her. She will be with us at all times, no matter how weak and frail we feel. She is there as a mother, loving us, guiding us, encouraging us, bringing us closer to her son, Jesus Christ. Take the example of Edel. Meditate on it. Think about it. Ask yourself, how can I overcome my weaknesses to serve God? And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The preceding program was a Spirit of Truth Radio Arts original production in partnership with Salt and Light Catholic Radio. To find out more about Spirit of Truth Radio Arts, go to their website at www.castingthe.net. Father Willie Doyle, an Irish Jesuit priest, known for his joy even in the face of war. His courage made him legendary, his compassion made him beloved. 
Father Willie gave his life on the battlefield of World War I, insisting that he be with his men. Now his cause for canonization has been opened. To find out more about this man of heroic virtue, visit the Willie Doyle Association at www.willydoyle.org.